Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome back to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level, the podcast formerly known as Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for coming along on the journey of this podcast that is now almost six years and almost 600 episodes. And during that time, I've interviewed well over 500, 550 people about how do they succeed in business? What do they have to do to grow their career, expand their company? And as I found in these conversations, the people who are the most most successful, they're not afraid to make waves. They know that they have to shake things up. We, we can't do things the same way we did yesterday if we want new results. So that's why I've taken the focus of the show in this other, other direction. The other thing is, is I recently joined the executive search firm of Stanton Chase as doing business development as a director for them as a search consultant. And so now my role is focused very much on companies and their strategic hires at vice president, director, and the C-level. So I wanted to make sure that the podcast was totally aligned with everything else that was going on in my life, both in the executive search world and in my role as a speaker. So today, I want to talk about networking. Now, I know you're thinking, what? You know, why are we talking about networking? Well, one thing I've noticed since we went into this global pandemic and we had to start social distancing, that connecting with people is harder than it used to be. There used to be a lot of opportunities in your industry to be able to connect and 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 and, and cross paths with people in your network. And, and now everybody's at home. And as much as we love Zoom, the technology often lets us down. And I don't know about you, I cannot sit in front of my computer eight hours a day going from Zoom call to Zoom call. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't do that because that's what I do. Heck, that's how I'm recording this episode. However, it is important that we socially tighten while we're socially distancing. So for today's episode, I thought I would bring in an expert. I would bring in a friend of mine. She's actually the co-author with me of a book called Some Assembly Required, A Networking Guide for Women. It was the second book in a series of books I wrote about how do you make, keep, and grow your business relationships. And a little backstory, right after that book came out, Some Assembly Required, How to Make, Keep, and Grow Your Business Relationships, I was sitting in an airport. And I ran into Marnie, my friend, and she had just finished. She actually had it in her purse. She had just finished reading my first book. And she said, God, Tom, it's really good. But what about this? And she had three or four or five questions that specifically dealt with women. Well, the book was a general business book. And we talked about her concerns that there were some areas that I didn't address. And part of that might have been I was just a man. I didn't think about that. And so I looked at her and I said, that's a great idea. Take this book and rewrite it specifically for the needs of women. And it turned out to be one of the best-selling books I had in, in, in the series of books that I've wrote. And it solidified our friendship. And now, wow, probably like 12 years later, uh, here she is on Making Waves at Sea Level. So I'd like to introduce all of you to Marnie Lifshin. So Marnie works with companies, executives, and other organizations to help them leverage their personal brands, create powerful networks, 
and make sure that their communications are all very positive in how they're interacting with people in their world. And she's one of the best you can find at this topic. So Marnie, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Tom, thank you for having me. I'm always happy to do any sort of collaboration with you. Our friendship spans 20 plus years. And it's amazing how with all of the changes that we've faced in our lives and our careers in these crazy times, it seems like our visions are just still very much aligned with one another. And that's why it's always such a pleasure to work with you. Yeah, it's been fun. And 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 that book, like I said, it, it, it sold very well. It helped launch your speaking career. You, you spent yes. a lot of time speaking to, to law firms, accounting firms, large companies, a lot of their women's initiatives. Uh, you're the expert who they bring in to talk about how women can su- succeed more in business. Although... You don't just work with women, you work with everybody. But I know that in that sort of world of, of, of women's groups inside large companies, you're one of the leaders in the country at really showing them exactly how to work together to find success. Yeah, thank you. It's It's been a great ride. I've enjoyed every step along the way. And it's really for me just about first and foremost, acknowledging that in general, men and women just do business a little bit differently. We communicate differently. We build and manage relationships differently. Not good, not bad, not better, not worse, just differently. And so understanding where some of those gaps are and developing strategies and skills to overcome it, that's that's really become a passion of mine. Well, and it it is true. It's not better or worse. It really just is different. There are just some different concerns that that people have, and and we don't want to throw a stereotype over it. But right. if, if we ignore those differences, we're also, I've always thought, doing a disservice. I I agree with you, and I think it just creates more understand or more misunderstanding and more lost opportunities. And so, yeah, that's 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 my mission. And whether I'm working with women's organizations or or general business organizations, professional associations, is just helping to figure out how we can all do it a little bit better, a little bit more strategically. And that's why that fits so perfectly with what you said in your intro, which is it's really tough these days to keep that momentum going. A lot of us kind of had organizations and events and structure that we relied on to meet new people and to maintain relationships with people in our industry or our profession. And all of a sudden that's gone. So what do you do? (laughs) Well, and in addition to the outside networking, one of the most important things that I find the executives I work with say is it's keeping that culture, that connection inside their company. I mean, one of the most important things you can do is, is build relationships relationships with coworkers, both at your level, the people who report to you and hire. And now everybody's working from home and most days not even wearing pants. And so, <laughs> so, you know, how do you maintain all those relationships in order to make sure that, that people are able to work together, find ways to collaborate and move the whole organization forward? So I'd like to talk about both sides of that. Let's start with the, the external world of networking and why business leaders, executives, people who you might find in that C-suite, why does networking even matter? They've reached the top. They're at the top of their career. Many of them, you know, they, they're, they're highly paid. Why, would, why do they care about people? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I certainly have not reached yet the pinnacle of my career. At least I hope I haven't. But one of the things that has been the most impactful for me, regardless of whether I was fresh out of college or starting my own business, it has really been that peer level networking. You and I have been in several 
kind of formal peer networking organizations, Tom. We've also just maintained a close peer relationship along the way. Although I will say your speaking career was several years ahead of mine. And so you actually acted as a mentor to me as well. But for those very high level professionals, those very successful executives, I still think they've got to reach out to their peers and say, hey, this is the challenge I'm facing. This is the opportunity we have. Have you ever faced something like this? What would you suggest I do? What's worked for you? Even in today's environment, as you said, the internal networking that isn't happening anymore because people aren't in the office together. You know, for a senior level manager or executive, how do they keep their team connected? And maybe they don't know the answer to that. And that's where that peer level networking can really help reaching out to people who who are going through the same thing or have gone through it and just getting advice and support and insight and resources. It's so critical. I think too often times, especially the farther in our careers we get, we think we should have all the answers, right? <laughs> we, we think we should know what to do. But if nothing else, the challenges with COVID have shown us that there's going to be new things that none of us have faced before. I had a call this morning with a, a medical school and the director of admissions was talking about how they're figuring out to do um, onboarding with their latest class of med students and how to help the ones that are going to be interviewing for residencies all of a sudden, guess what? Those interviews are going to be on Zoom. That's a whole different skill set, right? So they've never faced this as a medical school. So we're all going through this and that's why it matters. Well, you bring up a really interesting point and that's how having that peer network, that peer-to-peer network, sometimes those peers actually do serve as 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 mentors. And I, I appreciate the compliment in the, in the speaking world that I did that for you. But a lot of the CEOs I talk to belong to groups like EO or Vistage or YPO. And sure. one of the reasons they do that is, yeah, they're, they're in a room with other CEOs, so they're peers, except for the fact that one of them might have 400 employees and the other person has 40 and suddenly their business triples. They've never dealt with more than 100 employees. Now they need an HR person. They can turn to each other. And, and that's just sort of a random example. But right. a mentor doesn't necessarily have to be the old gray haired man or woman talking to the young pup just out of college. That, Absolutely. That peer to peer networking is is super important, especially I think when you've reached these leadership roles for like a CFO or a CTO or a CEO, uh, l let's talk about that. Do you see most of the people at that level actively have these types of peer networking relationships? I think a good portion have. Now, how formal those peer relationships or the peer uh, organizations are varies greatly. As you said, there are some great ones that are national and even international. Um, some have it locally within their community or within their profession. But I do see it. But I think like every professional relationship, and you know, you've heard me say this a million times, Tom, you'll get out of it what you put into it, right? Mm -hmm. yep. And so it's one thing to say, oh, I belong to this, or, you know, there's a group of other CFOs or CMOs or HRVPs. And it's like, yeah, but how are you using it? And so when I'm asked, like, how do you maintain relationships, period, but especially right now, the first place I start is you've got to be intentional. You got to be focused. I think too often, even face-to-face, -face, but certainly right now, 
people are like, hey, just checking in, want to see how you are. And that's great. That's that's valuable. But it's not nearly as valuable as having some very focused topics or questions that you can further the conversation beyond just a general feel-good interaction. So, so it's interesting because you've spent a lot of time in addition to being an expert talking, how do you connect with people and have your network? You've also spent a lot of time over the years working on helping executives at this high level work on their personal brand because there's a yes. difference between having a network and having a strong, positive personal brand because you and I have both known people. We, we won't name their names, but you'll know who I'm thinking about. who were very well connected, who were great at their job, who anyone would take their call because of who they were, but they were kind of known for being a dick. Yeah. And that's not a good personal brand. Even if you can get the job done and be successful at that C level or that, you know, partner high level, it doesn't help you get the job done. And so let's talk a little bit about, you know, because you've taught both, a lot of people get them confused. What is a personal brand versus networking? So the definition I created for personal brands when about 10 years ago, I I was starting to be asked to speak about it and coach about it and write about it. And I couldn't really find a definition I liked. And so I really thought about what the power and the heart of an effective personal brand is. And it's really how you answer this question, regardless of where you are in your career, but especially when you're in a leadership role. It's how you answer the question, what do you want to be known for? That's really what a personal brand is because they're not going to say where you went to business school. They're not going to say what your title is. They're not going to say how much revenue your company generates or how many people you employ or how many CEO roles you've held. They're going to talk about their experience in interacting with you and working with you or for you in, in merging with your company in serving on a board of directors for a charitable organization with you. That's what people are going to describe when you say, What do you want to be known for? And too often, we want to think that that's just like our resume or, as you said, our, quote, reputation. How many people know us and have a vague idea of what our job or our industry or our company is? But the heart of a personal brand is the experience in people have in working with you for you. And that's why all these so-called soft skills matter right? That's why they matter because you might be the best divorce attorney out there. But if you're an asshole and you never return your client's calls, even if you get them exactly what they want for, they're probably not going to recommend you. Or if they do, they're going to say, well, you know, Bob got me custody and he got me half the business. But I mean, it was a nightmare working with him. Is that really what you want your personal brand to be? And that's why that matters as a part of your your personal assets or your professional assets, right? It's yes, it's your skill, it's your experience, it's your degree, it's your technical abilities, but a lot of it is about your personal brand, which to repeat myself is all about the experience people have in interacting with you. And and that matters. And we'll talk about the internal thing with employees, but that matters for a company 
that their 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 leadership, whether it's C level or, or director level or whatever, their leadership, it's what they're known for and what they're like to work with. Because yeah. because at the end of the day, I've always said that, and it's a cliche, but cliches are always true. Yeah, <laughs> there's a reason why they're a cliche. That's right. Pe- people like to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And you're right. you know, as as you and I get a little more, you know, seasoned, I think is the word people like. You know, yep. we, we've been in the business world for you know over 25 years, and as we get to that sort of sort of position, we the world has changed. 25 years ago, if you were an executive who got stuff done, you could get away with being a jerk. But I don't think that that works as easily today. I agree with you. And a lot of people give the millennials a lot of um, flack, but I think that's one of the things they have helped bring into the workplace along with, with Gen X. And if I, as a, as a older member of Gen X, um, I think a lot of it was both the women and the men of Gen X wanted to be a different kind of parent. Um, They wanted to be more involved with their kids' lives and so, and still have a good, flourishing, successful career. And so we expected a little bit more in terms of flexibility. We were willing to give up some of the promotions and opportunities in our career so we can be at our kids' soccer games, right? So we started it and millennials are definitely very experientially focused. They care about how much they enjoy the work. Are they fulfilled? Are they appreciated? Do they get excited about going to work every day? And for many of them, that is more important than title or money. And so I agree with you. I think it has changed. And that is why personal brands, and I see it in my own business in terms of the things I'm asked to talk about, personal brands have become have, have overcome some of the other topics that have been a mainstay in my, in my suite of topics, if mm-hmm. you will. I mean, people really want to understand why they matter, how to create one, and then how to communicate it out there. And that's why, as you said, with executives, it isn't just about the peer level. That's really important, but it is about their community. It is about their employees. It is about their vendors, right? I mean, imagine being a vendor right now that is terrified you're going to lose your, lose your business and you get a call from someone in the C-suite of one of your biggest customers and they tell you, don't worry, we're going to help you. We're going to stick with you. I mean, imagine that. What a personal brand that would be for, you know, Joe, the CFO, right? Well, and I mean, let, let's face it, right? The world's in a little bit of, of turmoil right now. Yeah. And the, the people who have a good personal brand, it's actually easier to build the network when your yeah. personal brand reaches out in front of you of, of what you stand for and what, you, what you're known for makes it easier to build the network. And when you have the big network, I mean, I experienced this in my career. I got laid off because a company pulled entirely out of Austin and I had two different companies create jobs for me. Like they're like, nope, you know, because of that reputation. And a lot of times people forget that your network is there in times of need, but you have to have built it years in advance. And so, you know, I think that that matters a lot. So any other advice to to a C-level executive of why their network matters for for external and then we'll talk internal? Okay. So from an external perspective, especially rising executives, I always remind them that as your, as your responsibility and your role increases, your network does too. So as you're more important, your network needs to include more important people. And oftentimes, this is especially true, um, oftentimes of women, we're kind of comfortable with the people we've always known, right? That they're, they're, they've become friends or at least business friends, as I like to call them. And so 
if you've been promoted or your company just merged with another company and at the example you used, now all of a sudden you're responsible for 300 employees, you might need to interact with people who have that level of experience and responsibility as well. And so for many executives, that means stretching and reaching out to people that maybe you don't know or maybe you think are out of your league, right? This is something I struggle with a lot. And and the 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 challenge I always make is to myself included is reach out. What's the worst thing that could happen? They don't return your email or your call, or they say no. I really don't want to meet you for dinner. I mean, is that devastating? No, maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe were, maybe a little embarrassing. You weren't going to have dinner. You weren't going to have dinner with them anyway. You, well, exactly. Or you know, maybe they say yes, and all of a sudden you've got this superstar in your industry or your profession or your city you know, willing to take some time to have a Zoom coffee. So that would be one piece of advice, especially to people who are newer to roles of leadership, is you need to take some time and assess who's in your current circle of of friends, so to speak, your close network, and make sure that you're stretching yourself a little bit. It doesn't mean dump all your current friends. It just means (laughs) make sure that as you rise, your network is as well. Well, and as a company looks to things like banking relationships, legal relationships, or investors, you know, that your network and your brand really has the tentacles. I, re- I recently got a call. Somebody wanted to check up on an investor and they're like, do you know this person? Now, I, I wasn't going to say anything bad about the person, but it was interesting to me that they, you know, they wanted to know backstory. And, sure. you know, I thought, wow, I didn't realize that, that people vetted their investors. I thought they just took the cash. Yeah. So, so this stuff matters, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think from the internal perspective, you as the leader, as a member of the this, this leadership team, the C-suite, it, it is your job to set, to be a role model, to set expectations. And so especially right now, you know, a lot of those bonds and connections between colleagues and coworkers are kind of fading away a little bit. And so whether you're the head of a team or the head of a department or the head of a division, you know, it's your job to show them how to keep those connections alive. And not just now, not just now with us all working from home. At all times, they need to show the value of maintaining relationships, of reaching out, of networking. This is something that I struggle with with law firms, as you can probably relate to a lot, Tom. You know, the partners want the associates just, you know, working away in their offices, billing those hours. But they don't realize that they're they're needing they need to model how to make relationships for referral sources and potential clients and other influencers for those young attorneys, right? And so they need to bring the young associate to lunch or to happy hour or whatever. And so that's I think a very important thing for the executives to be doing always, but especially right now, even if it's they set aside three hours a week that they're reaching out to different employees in different areas with in their company just to say, how are you doing? How can I support you? What's keeping you up at night? What ideas do you have of how we can handle this better as a company? That's what I referred to earlier about don't just say, hey, checking in, you know, have a little list, a bullet point list of questions or topics to make it a more meaningful interaction. So that's actually a great segue to talking about sort of your internal network and the connections that you have inside your company and why it's good for the whole company and and the culture of the organization. But before we can get there, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. Yes. So this episode, it's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly, they take the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment 
training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Marnie Lifshin. <laughs> hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And I still need to call them. We need to change that to uh, podfly.net slash making waves, but we haven't done that yet. That'll be an August project, I think. Hey, yeah. So, so Marnie, you've done a lot of work and you and I have both worked inside law firms doing consulting on how do you get them to do business development and how do you do this? But we've also both kind of worked with law firms and other companies on, on how do you build that internal culture? And I think that that's where personal brand and your networking really pay, play a bigger part than executives really realize. What is your personal brand as an executive, as a leader? And uh, how well connected are you with people who report to you through that structure? If, if your door is closed and people don't like you, that doesn't help the company, does it? Yeah, you're exactly right. I think that's critically important. Whenever I'm working with a, with a client on a communication or a marketing strategy, and I have them list their audiences, it is rare that they put employees as an audience. Mm -hmm. They all immediately go to clients or customers, then they go to referral sources. Yeah, it's all external people. They forget that one of their most important audiences, stakeholders, are their employees from their top employees to the brand new guy in the, you know, in the, in the, well, I was going to say the mail room, but I don't think, there <laughs> I don't are think, mail we, have, I don't think we have mail rooms anymore. But yeah. <laughs> How about the newest intern? How about that? Yeah, we're showing um, our age. There were mail rooms when we started. There were mail rooms yes. when we started yes, our there career. There's also copy rooms. I don't think there's copiers anymore. <laughs> but, um, well, but yeah, I, th- I think that it's it's remembering how important that is. And one of the critical elements of an effective personal brand is that it's consistent. It's consistent whether you're in front of the media in front of your shareholders, in front of your customers, in front of your employees, your executive team, your board of directors. It should always be consistent. You as a person, everyone should have a very similar, not exact, but similar experience in interacting with you. And sometimes with executives, you can almost see them putting on a different mask depending on who they're talking to. And I think that's very damaging. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel credible. And oftentimes the ones that they don't bother to try and um, present their best face to are, are their employees, especially their lower level employees. I can tell you the people that I've respected the most in my career knew the receptionist's name, knew mm-hmm. about the receptionist, you know, family, and they always said hello. And even when I was a very young professional out learning how to network and interact with senior members of our business community in Austin, you know, the ones who really took the time, even if it was two minutes to talk to me, it felt great. And you know, when somebody's not really engaging with you. And so those all kind of make up that personal brand. And that's what I would definitely encourage executives to assess in themselves and maybe ask their mentors or close colleagues, you know, hey, am I the same guy or the same girl regardless of what situation I'm in or do I seem different? And if I seem different, that's something that they will become aware of and then hopefully learn to 
to change, to be a little bit more consistent. Yeah, because putting on a different face and sort of kissing up to the people higher up or at your level while totally treating the people like crap who are located, you know, down that organizational chain. Yep. That's that's not good for you as an individual. And it's certainly not good for the company. We talked about the fact that, you know, some of the younger workers, the, the millennials and now the, the Gen Z's who are coming in, they don't want to work for that type of person. So you know what You're they do? Exactly right. You know what they do? They leave. They leave. They're not afraid to leave, unlike Gen X and boomers who are afraid to leave. We want the security. They don't care. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll tell their next employer, yeah, I was there eight months. My boss was a jerk. Yep. That's so, exactly right. So, you know, there, there's so many levels to why this whole idea of how you connect with people, you know, is is important. But let's keep the focus internally. But let's talk about what's happened in the world since March. You know, we, we have seen everybody was immediately within days sort of rushed home. Some people didn't even have the technology to work from home. They were they were sent computers. Uh, now they have Zoom calls every day with everybody from work. And the press seems to be reporting. It's working great. Everybody loves it. People, they don't have to wear pants. They can, you know, they can, you know, eat a burrito that smells bad. They can eat a fish burrito at lunch in the microwave. And they don't talk about the fact that a lot of people are feeling disconnected. We yeah. had we had sort of this epidemic of loneliness in our society before this started. And a lot of people's only sort of social connection to humanity might have been going to work. Well, now we have a lot of people stuck at home doing this and everybody's trying to make the best of it. But the truth is, it's not the same jumping on a Zoom call as it is being able to walk to the person in the next office. Right. Right. No, you're exactly right. And I think even worse than the Zoom calls are people just relying on emails for 98% of their communication. Because actually, if you look at a pie chart of communication, the actual words we, we say or type or read are, that's the verbal component of communication. And that's only 7%. So the human brain looks at 93% other factors, physical factors, tone, all of those things. And those are all lost in an email. Now, in a Zoom call, they are included to a degree, but there's still just that innate separation, you know, that we feel. And so I agree with you. I, I think it's dangerous to just assume that everything is going fine. Everybody can do their jobs from home. I think a good parallel is looking at kids, you know, a vast majority of kids would do anything to be back in school in August, anything, <laughs> yep. even though they complain about school. Right. They even the, ki even the kids be, who don't like school want to be at school. Yeah. They would rather be in school, even with the teachers. Well, so, so my, I think my, it's a good parallel. My, my youngest daughter is starting college in six weeks. And there's a lot of talk from people who are going to her college and other colleges about, wow, should we take a gap year? Should should we drop out and reapply next year? Because you can't necessarily get a gap year at this point. There's all, all kinds of discussions, uh, you know, about what what to do. Yeah. But she wants to go, even though it means yeah. quarantined in her dorm room alone for two weeks because New Hampshire has a quarantine rule and they're going to deliver food to the dorm rooms. And I'm like, that's going to suck. And she's like, yeah, but it's the reality I live in. And she told my wife and I, look, you guys are great parents. We've been quarantined together for four months. You guys are awesome. A lot of her friends maybe don't feel that way. And she's like, honest, she goes, we get along great, but you're not my friends. Right. And she's like, I'll do anything to get with other 18 year olds and just have a life, even a quarantine life. Yep, I agree. And, and I wouldn't be surprised. And honestly, I haven't seen surveys. Perhaps you have. 
But I bet if you asked most workers, a majority, I don't know how vast, but a majority would say, I would rather be in the office, even if it's three days a week or you know, four half days a week or something. Um, I know there are some, I've talked to some of my clients and they're like, no, I like this better. I prefer it. I feel like I'm more efficient. Well, and people are different. There's, there's not, there's not one size fits all. Right. And I think that's the challenge facing organizations and leaderships and the people that you speak to some Tom, the, the C-suite is okay. So now let's say that we have a vaccine in January and by March of next year, people could really in theory all come back to work en masse. How do I create the infrastructure and the environment that is going to attract the most number of employees? Or do I create a hybrid model? I I think there's going to be a ton of changes that we can't even foresee Mm -hmm. in the next several months. I really, really do. And I think that for leadership, as you've been saying all along today, that's where their brand their reputation, their networks, their resources. That's where all of those things are really going to pay dividends because they don't have the knowledge or experience or skills to handle this because no one's ever been through it before. <laughs> so so that's why actually networking is important because now's the time you can turn to your friends and other companies and say, how are you handling this transition? Yeah, exactly. So, so here's a question. So if, if someone's listening to this and, and they're in a leadership role inside a company, what should they be doing right now to be connecting with other people inside the company? That's a great question. And I wish there was a one size fits all um, answer, but all I can do is tell you, first of all, to do what feels authentic and natural to you and to the culture you believe there is within your company currently. Secondly, and this is, this um, kind of appeals more to people like me who are very organized um, have a process, have a plan. So if it is, I'm going to talk to department lead, a different department leader every day. So Monday's marketing, Tuesday's finance, you know, et cetera, then put that in place. I think the most important thing is for them to set the standard and then expect the directors and the VPs and the managers beneath them to then do the same thing with the people that report to them. I understand that some people have you know, thousands of employees. So obviously they can't personally connect with all of them, but if they show the the people that lead those individuals how to do it, I think it can happen. But the, the most important thing is being intentional, making it a priority. And I know that a lot of company leadership are juggling a ton of different balls right now. But in my opinion, this has to be a priority. It has to be on your list, not at the bottom of your list, (laughs) on your list to make that plan and then to follow through. And this works, what you're saying works across industry lines. I mean, there's certain things where we would say like, oh, well, a law firm that's crotchety or a hedge fund or or a venture capital, they're not touchy-feely per se. So that's different. But I I recently had a conversation with somebody who works in one of those types of, of companies and he was really pleased. Now it's smaller. They have, I don't know, about 35 people, but the CEO has one-on-one calls with everybody. I don't know how often, but enough over like maybe once yeah. a month and asks candid questions about how are they doing at home? How, how is their significant other handling this? Uh, when do they feel it's comfortable to come back? And then when they have office-wide calls, yeah, they talk business. They got a lot to do. They're in a high pressure type business, but then they also take time occasionally and do things where they just talk about, you know, does someone have a hobby? And that person reports in on, you know, their hobby. 
and shares what their hobby is with everybody else in the company. And it could be sure. something like sailing or, you know, they, they, you know, or a chef or something like that. And, and they share that and that's helping them stay connected and become more connected because they've hired over the last four months. They're, they're making it human. They're doing yes. the business, but they're making it human. And I think that's, that's what your network is all about. It's, it's being human, right? Absolutely. I spoke with a, a company uh, owner recently and what she is doing, and she's got 250 employees in several states. And what she does is every other Friday, she does a state of the company address. She does it via video so that all of her employees see her face, hear her voice, see her expression, her inflection, her tone. And she's gotten really good feedback about how people just feel more connected and more comforted because they kind of have an idea what's going on at the top and what challenges she's looking at and how the company is handling things. And so there's not just all these employees wondering what's happening up there. She's telling them what's happening up there. So I think it just comes back, Tom, to finding out a strategy that will work for you, your company, your culture, mm-hmm. and, and this current environment. So Marnie, this has been a fantastic discussion about why your network and your personal brand matters at the C level or really for anybody. Yes. I mean, inside the company, outside the company, across the board. Sometimes I think people think networking and they think that's for salespeople, people looking for a job or younger people. But the reality is, is this matters for everyone, right? Any last advice? Just keep it up. Be intentional. Be focused. Hold yourself accountable. I think that's one of the things we've lost a little bit by working in our pajamas is <laughs> we're not holding ourselves accountable. So try to do those things and, and just hang on. And as you said, you know, embrace the human side of business because we are just people doing the best that we can. And if we remember that, I think that once we do come out the other end, it'll be easier to figure out what path to take. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think this was a powerful discussion. I think everyone needs to listen to this. So if you liked what Marnie had to say, please go and share this episode out with uh, maybe your executives uh, or someone, one of your peers in another company. Marnie, if someone's listening and they're like, I got to find this lady, how do they find Marnie Lifshin? Well, I'm very famous. So all you have to do is Google me, mostly because there's not very many Marnie Lifshins out there. But I do have a website, MarnieLifshin.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. And I'm, I'm always happy to answer questions and help in any way I can. And I just want to thank you, Tom, for having me on today. It was, it was great, as always, to talk to you. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And as soon as uh, we can meet in person again, let's go have some coffee. Yes, let's. Awesome. Well, thank you to everybody who tuned in. I say it every single time. If it wasn't for the audience, there'd be no reason to do this podcast. You know, we've made this transition to to calling it making waves at sea level. And that's what I want to do is I want to show you ways to, to make waves and make your company better and your career uh, have more opportunities. So please, if you like the show, go leave a review on iTunes or now called Apple Podcasts uh, and or, or wherever you get your podcast love because we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, all the places. But go and leave a review because the reviews matter. They help people find the show uh, and we want to continue to grow this audience. So please, uh, if you really like the show, reach out to me on social media. You can find me at Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R uh, on all of the social medias and let me know what your favorite episode is or if you have any ideas for guests if your ceo cto cmo is awesome and we all need to know their story uh reach out to me i'd love to have them so we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody who's making waves somebody who is just as cool as marnie lifshin 
<laughs> but in the meantime, go out there, make sure your ladder, your career ladder is against the right wall. Don't climb to the top and realize you were in the wrong place. Uh, have some fun, shake things up, make your own waves. And while you're at it, have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.